it is the top of the hour, so I want to welcome everyone to Pit Stop. It's your fortnightly midweek rest area to refuel your drive. I'm Karen Cummins. I'm an audiobook narrator, and I'm the chief cartographer for NarratorsRoadmap.com, and I'm your host for Pit Stop. With me in the co-pilot seat is my lovely friend and award-winning audiobook narrator, Ann Flosnick, who hosts the Narrator Uplift Show here on Clubhouse. How are you this afternoon, Ann? Great. Delighted to be here. Well, I am glad you're here, too. Uh, every other Wednesday, audiobook narrators who have more one or more side hustles pull into Pit Stop, and they are sure to inspire you to follow your interests and use all of your talents and gifts. So as a reminder, the conversation is being recorded. You'll be able to re-listen or catch parts you missed. And please feel free to comment in the chat and do raise your hand in the app if you want to be part of the conversation, because we'd love to hear from you. So thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. I am super excited to introduce you and welcome Chris Chula to Pit Stop. Chris is an award-winning audiobook narrator of more than 450 titles. He's also a TV and film actor with credits in such shows as Castle and Gotham, he always seems to die. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a frequent video game actor, and he's been heard voicing the ultimate history quiz on your nearest Alexa device for the History Channel and A&E. His production company, Leonardo Audio, which I've got pinned in the link on the, on the page, has been producing quality audiobooks and interactive audio games since 2013, and they recently began publishing audiobooks. He's married to his high school sweetheart, Suzanne. He loves to spend every day with his Frenchie, Leo, and his Boston Terrier, Coco. And he dearly misses his firstborn pug boy, Rocky. And I can relate to all of that. So welcome, Chris. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Karen. And it's been wonderful to interact with you over the last couple of years. And, uh, and I appreciate all you do. Um, you know, with Narrator's Roadmap, it's a, just a terrific place to, you know, allow narrators to, to, to not lose time and energy in their careers going, going off, off the path. You know, you've established a nice little, nice little inexpensive place for people to gain so much quality information. So I appreciate you for that. Well, thanks so much. I, I, we'll just have a mutual admiration society, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I, We've known each other, at least on Facebook, a long time. And, of course, we've uh, seen each other at various things. And we, met in, we met in 2017 in Atlanta. Yeah, it's been a while. And then I did a Meet the Producers with you, I think, last year for APAC. Probably two and, years uh, ago. So, yeah, it's great to get to have a longer conversation. Sure. And, you know, I... I looked at your LinkedIn profile and I saw you have a bachelor's in political science and government. I do. So, so what were you planning to do with that? And how did you go into acting? And then how did you get to audiobooks? I was planning on actually running for office. Um, Ooh. I have a, a, you know, my grandfather was a city councilor in my hometown of Everett, Massachusetts. And my, my uncle was a state representative. And so it's it's in my blood on my mother's side, and um, and I started even while I was in in, in college. I was an intern uh, for the Massachusetts State House, and you know pursued student government at Boston College. And then after I was 
after I graduated, I worked for, at the time, Congressman Ed Markey, who is now Senator Ed Markey. Mm. So I was a, I was a, <clears throat> I was a congressional aide for almost three years um, in his office, thinking I was going to go down and, and become a legislative aide at some point in time in Washington. And um, then I started to perform basically at graduation. I started to take improvisation and um, fell in love with performance. And basically, while I was working for Congress, I would travel to all the colleges across uh, New England and and be uh, a lead actor in in shorts and in thesis films. So I was I was. there, you know, I would work, you know, they, 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 they really worked us, you know, and didn't pay us anything. So I would work, say, like 60 hours a week, um, going to events after, after work. And then on the Fridays, I would make sure that, okay, I don't have any Friday events. And then I would head out to like Keene State in New Hampshire and shoot a film. Wow. So these weren't related, I guess. It sounds like you were no, doing no. the legislative work, going to the colleges and, I guess just passing out or meeting with students and giving them information. No, no, no. Just, two completely, two completely different paths. So yeah, so and then the, developing the acting is a whole different. Thing. Yeah. So so I was like so going to the colleges had nothing to do with my with my uh, my congressional aid life. So what happened was I I got out of I went to the state house to be a PR director for a state senator for a year. And that was like the final straw of, okay, I really don't, I'm not enjoying this as much as I thought I was going to. And I think a lot of it was the gravitational pull of performance. And um, I started to study with a really um, effective uh, acting instructor by the name of Peter Kelly, who at the time was a, was a, working for College Pickman, which was CP casting at the time. And he was also a professor at BU. Um, and he instilled, you know, uh, really some, some great tenets on how to take acting as adults, you know, when you're no longer in college and it's not your degree, how to get your degree in it when you're, when you're, you know, an adult getting an adult education. And, um, he enabled in myself and his other students how to take it really seriously and learn the craft. And, um, and from that, about eight of us all decided to move out to Los Angeles at the, around the same time um, to, because New York was New York living in Boston. It no, it did not have uh, a, a, the, the tax incentives that they have now to bring films in. They didn't have it at the time that wasn't established yet. And New York was, was, was pretty dead before nine 11 and then nine 11 happened. Mm. So there was no choice, but to, if you were going to pursue acting television, film, commercial, you had to go to LA. And then I set everything up and I left politics and was able to fall on a job at my alma mater, Boston College. I I became a retreat coordinator and a peer minister. And I lived on campus uh, with freshmen as a 25 year old. And I had an office right on College Road where I ran, I I was a coordinator for a, a, um, a retreat program. Um, and, and so that was a great time, not only to, to, you know, stockpile cash to go to LA, but to reflect on my life and to make sure that I was making that what I thought was making the right choices. And, uh, and I don't regret any of it. Cause it, it would be kind of scary, really. You've studied, you've spent all this time getting a degree, you're working in this field and then 
this is like a total total switch yep and to, I, to learn and something I, new while still maintaining a job and moving forward in that yeah and there were positives the from that that the, the the interesting thing was you know it enabled me to become a better public speaker and so I was becoming a better, you know, a better at much better at delivering messages. I was I had a problem with anxiety um, from in my teens and in my college career. You know, I, I had uh, I was just I, I had some some fears that were hard to control. One of them was was public speaking. I I, I, I somehow just would would lose my mind um, and lose where I was at a lot of times. And becoming an actor kind of solved that. I, I became better at just uh, achieving an objective and, mm -hmm. and being able to over overcome the obstacles. And so um, it would have been better to, you know, even though I was improving on the skills that would help in the political arena, um, you know, I became a legitimate performer and, um, and that was the life. That is just so interesting and fascinating to me that you would just, and then to totally pick up and move from Boston to LA, where I'm assuming you don't really know people and have connections already established, that you're, you're kind of just starting over really again there. Yeah. The good thing is we did have a, of a nice network of people um, that were all in, from the same acting class. So we all had very similar goals. So we were all able to support each other in the very early stages of us being out in LA. However, once we got there, you know, uh, people started to, to, to diverge from their original goals and some didn't enjoy it. And some, um, you know, uh, maybe got into production instead or, um, or they, you know, enjoyed LA, but didn't want to be an actor anymore. Um, for me and my roommate, we were able to create a nice network of, of people. And I was able to get two really key jobs that allowed me to network even further. I became the head boxing trainer at Crunch, uh, which was their flagship location on Sunset Boulevard, which was full of personalities that I was able to converse with. Um, and then I also, at the same time, became a doorman at House of Blues on Sunset Boulevard that I was doing that at night. And that became a larger job where I became a, a doorman for the largest nightclub in LA called Avalon. It used to be called the Palace. And then some, some promoters from Boston came out and created, uh, basically they um, created another version of their clubs in, um, on Lansdowne Street behind Fenway Park. They made them in LA. So um, I had some very, I got, and that, that's all luck from a friend of a friend having those connections. And I still owe him to this day. He lives about 20 minutes from me. So I make sure I take him out to dinner every six months. We'll send him the recording. So he'll hear you say, I owe him. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Jay Tosney. He knows it. He knows it well. But it sounds almost like magic pixie dust that these things just came together for you. And sure. But they were also distracting, you know, like, so, you go out there and I didn't have any money when I went out there. So I had to earn money and at the same time, try to find time to go out and audition and, um, you know, find, you know, we're all at the time we're trying to get what we call tape, um, you know, to try to get scenes on a reel so that you can be attractive to an agent. And then there were so many different types of agents 
you know, we had our commercial agents and our print agents and our what we call out there theatrical agents, which aren't really for theater. They're for TV and film, which they're called in the, the New York market. They're called legit agents. So hmm. the terminology was a little different. Um, or we're trying to be out there. It was called being hip pocketed by an agent, which means they don't really rep you, but they're willing to send you out on stuff when you're right for it. That's called hip pocketing in L.A. and it's called freelancing in New York. So the, the, the terms are a little different, but once you get, get to know this stuff, um, you try to find the balance between real life, right. And, and pursuing what, what you need. And so I think that was the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge was, okay, you know, I've got these job responsibilities and I've got the responsibility to the, you know, the Uber, um, pursuit here of, of, you know, trying to get credits and, and building a career. So, um, it was fun. Um, but it was it was exhausting. Definitely was tiring. Yeah. DJ Lavery put in the chat the word I'm looking for is kismet. <laughs> that sure fate intervening on your behalf. Well, so and I knew you used to teach in LA. Like so, I, you were talking about learning all the lingo and everything. And I know you used to teach new actors. Yeah, you used so to I, be actors to LA, right? So yes. So that was a program I, I ran for five years, um, started in 09 and, and we ended in, in 13. Um, so I did it for about five years and basically it was helping originally people in Boston because that was where all my connections were helping them at the, you know, from the inception of, I want to be an actor. And no matter if you have that, your acting background or you don't, how do you properly um, how do you properly enter um, the performance market? What, what do you need in your acting briefcase? How do you properly educate yourself? Um, and in what categories? How do you brand yourself appropriately? Um, and then when it comes to how to make money while you're pursuing this other, other thing, should you go industry-centric job or non-industry-centric job? So should you be a trainer or wait tables or should you try to be a PA and work for a casting, uh, a casting director? So there's, you know, we go through, we would go through all of that. And then I was the type, I, I, I was like a, you know, I'm a grinder. Uh, no, nothing has ever been easy for me. So I've gone through all the pathways to find the little cookie jars of work when it comes to not only on camera or, or stage, but VO. So, um, you know, we teach about, we taught about all the different categories and all the things you could pursue and to try to match up your skill sets with um, those, those categories as early as possible in your pursuit. And I taught that in Miami. I taught that in Albuquerque. I taught it in Boston for five years. And we did, we did spot duty in LA, um, but I would travel back and forth and do it. And then, you know, and it, and it wasn't really monetizing, but that wasn't the point. The point was my dad was getting sick and I, and I, and it gave me a great reason. It gave me something, to, something to do for work while I was able to visit him and check up on him. And then he passed away in 13. So mm. when that happened, I, I decided, you know, this isn't monetizing. I've got to get back to some other pursuits. And the funny thing is like, that's when I started to read audiobooks. that, so mm. I started to pursue audiobooks in late 12 and that all coincided at the same time. So the pivot was really key in my development. Um, looking back, that was a really key point to end that process and begin my audiobook process. And how did you start that audiobook process? 
Well, I was walking through a Barnes and Noble in around 2009. And then I saw these like plastic boxes on a shelf. And I'm like, we're in a, we're in a, a Barnes and Noble, a bookstore. What are these plastic things? <laughs> and I was like, thinking like they're like a monolith from 2001, A Space Odyssey. And then I looked at one and it said, John Grisham, A Time to Kill. I flip it over and it says, read by Michael Beck. I'm like, Michael Beck, he was swan in the warriors hmm. as far as that 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 uh, movie about all the gangs in new york and he hmm. was in xanadu with olivia newton john i said but i haven't seen him i maybe saw him in a matlock uh or in, in the heat of the night in like the 80s where has he been and uh he picked up audiobooks and is an audiobook narrator and i'm like ooh. so that was one little ping mm -hmm. and then in 2011 at voice tracks west mark cashman put on a, on a workshop with someone from Peng, from, uh, I'm sorry, it was Random House. They hadn't even merged yet. Mm. So it was from Random House. And I will tell you that I, I'd have to look up my email to know who that person was. I don't know. And that's, it's an antithetical of what, how I teach people today. Completely <laughs> antithetical. Did not know yet. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll pursue this still. And then in 2012, I finally bit the bullet and, um, Got into a class with Pat Fraley, the inimitable Pat Fraley, and Scott Brick and Hillary Huber. So who, mm -hmm. who for two people to forget your first real, um, uh, you, you know, your real education, your your real impression of audiobooks? I couldn't think of two better people to give that. And mm -hmm. uh, and so that was the end of 2012. We did a like a demo weekend. Um, and so I started auditioning at the very beginning of beginning of 2013, back when we had still had stipends for $150 per finished hour. Mm. And I booked three in the same week. Mm. And I didn't have a studio. Ah. I didn't even have a setup. <laughs> I had a I had a I had a, a blue microphone, a blue snowball sticking into into uh, into audacity. God. And I was like, oh boy. So luckily, that's your keyword for everything. Oh boy. I know. I know. That's my, that's my, so, uh, and you know, I, I got that from Richard Ferrone. He, when he, uh, uh, God bless him, when he would, when he would narrate um, as Lucas Davenport, he would say, oh boy. And John Sanford wrote that in there. <laughs> I stole that from him. So the, the, um, uh, God rest his soul. So the, yeah. the, um, uh, and so I luckily got somebody from Guitar Center to give me no you know thinking thinking that was the place to go um and I, luckily i found someone who was who was who was functional and they set me up got with somebody um, to actually answer you and talk to you that yep. was a triumph wow. yep. in itself <laughs> and that got me and that got me going and um you know my workflow was terrible uh my ratio was probably 10 to 1 um but but we got we got them done and uh, mm -hmm. and then we're off to the races um, but, but I did not have a lot of success those first years of, of audiobook narration. Um, you know, my first three years, I only narrated 22 books total, seven, eight, and seven, seven in 2013, eight in 2014, seven in 2015. So, you know, it did not happen overnight. Um, but mm -hmm. with one of my main coaching tenets, you got to stay mm -hmm. if you like it and you want to do it and, and you think nothing has ever come easy for me you know, in, in performance, I'm like the person who, who, who is very hard to brand. You know, I, when I was, when I was repped by agents, they would see that I'm hundred percent Italian. 
they'd throw me in the room with all the Italians. I'd be the least looking Italian person in that room. <laughs> they, you know, and so I wouldn't book anything. I'd be for, for the agencies that had either the modeling or the sport modeling parts. They'd be like, Oh, Chris is with our good looking guys. Let's put, let's throw Chris in for the good looking audition. I'm the ugliest looking, good looking guy there is. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm not booking that stuff. I'm not booking it. So the, you know, these are all, these are all little microcosms of the things in my journey that sometimes you have to figure out, okay, we've got to stay a little longer. We've got to strategize a little better and we've got to do a little more homework or build something in our briefcase and, or build our vocal, um, uh, uh, instrument and, and we'll get there eventually, you know, we'll, we, we're learning about ourselves while we learn about the industry as a whole and we'll get there. When you said it was a slow start for you those first three years, Kaylee, uh, Kaylee Kirby wrote in the chat that was very encouraging to hear that from you. Yeah, people think you know, um, people think that you know a lot of us who are you know maybe approaching five hundred credits that it was easy off the start or at least lucky off the start. I know some people who did have luck off the start um, that started at the same time that I did, and you know a few of them were able to get Audible at, at, back then was was doing a lot of 13-week contracts. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. they would give you, you know, a lot of finished hours to produce within those 13-week contracts. And you it was your responsibility to do it, and they would pay you in a lump sum. And, um, and you, But you had to submit a certain amount of finished hours a week. I forget it was 10 or 12. Um, and, you know, I had a few uh, of our colleagues that would get contract after contract after contract and you blink and they're already a hundred books into their career. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was still on like eight and that's fine. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of it, it's not the, you know, it, it's when you get that calling card or the, just the switch, the switch turns on that, you know, okay. The, the journey was worth it for me. I will tell you it was, it was taking a, a workshop with Paul Allen Rubin. Um, and it was simply understanding how small we can get, hmm. how quiet we can get. And I know I'm using macro terms, but these are all things that when we when we establish something in the macro sense, then we figure out how to do it in, in the micro and how to make it actionable in the micro hmm. sense. But the, the I, I give you know I will give credit to the to the coaches and the people along my journey in a heartbeat. Paul Allen Rubin was the one that finally explained to me, um, and it wasn't, and we didn't even go over that many things that were actionable in his workshop. It was more about just the knowledge that you got to get quiet and you have to figure out like where the quiet bandwidth is for yourself. And then you just raise your game and you're, and then, and that's, that's what people want in their ear. If we give them too much energy and too much volume, regardless if our gain is down, that it doesn't translate well to, to long form storytelling. It exhausts the, 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 the listener and it exhausts us. So we find, you know, the, 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 the quiet performance uh, in the, in that macro place is, is it ends up being the best performance. Yeah. The two words Paul kept saying to me when I had a workshop with him were yeah. less voice, less voice. <laughs> Yeah. And that's not, you know, and that's not the most complicated direction to get, you know, it's not like, how do you get there? It's not, we're not going from point A to B, but sometimes that's not, that's not necessary. 
especially when, when we're actors, when we're actors, we kind of know how to do that. We don't, we don't, most actors can hear, can, can make the, the pathway to make it actionable in our own minds because we've done it before or we've done something similar before and can use it as a substitution. But the, you know, for those who are, who are not necessarily actors, that's, and, and we, you know, in our workout program, we make sure we, we do things. And Christina is great about this. Um, and so is Seth, but Christina was the one that, you know, said it in like two sentences to me that, uh, and I, and by Christina, I mean, Christina Delane, um, she just like put it forth really, really succinctly like that, you know, we've got to make things actionable. You know, you've got to make, make, make someone be able to like, you know, see the formula in their head and, 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 and activate it. Well, before we can talk about your workout program and your other classes, let's talk about you starting a production company in the first place. I mean, what made you decide to do that? You at some point narrating more than eight books a year and you decide <laughs> to produce them, I guess. And I mean, what, what, how did you go from just narrating to I'm going to produce and then now to publish? I think the, the natural um, order, excuse me, the natural order of things for us narrators that have say over 250 credits or 200 credits is you've, you've worked, you've either done, done enough pro, uh, projects, uh, you know, on ACX as the producer of record, or you've, you know, kind of figured out some of the other distribution um, options on the market. You've, you've built some post teams that you, that you trust underneath you and you've got enough contacts where you can potentially cast because you've networked with such wonderful narrators around you. When you've done that, the natural order of things to me is to develop a production company where, you know, for a, a, uh, fixed amount over, uh, over the, uh, per finished hour rate or a, or a fixed total amount on projects, you can be the project manager. And you can effectively do that. Now, not everyone's going to do that, but if you've got a background in you that you've produced before, I mean, I've pitched TV shows before. I have, you know, produced uh, a, a, a budgeted sizzle for a film television show, and we almost got it on three networks. I've written a bunch of teleplays and screenplays, like, and tried to get them produced. I've produced uh, several shorts. Um, I, I'm in that world. I know how to do it. It's in my DNA. And so it was a natural progression to do that in audiobooks. Just was natural. But to be the publisher is to be the executive producer, is to, you know, to, to, to have more risk for more reward. And um, I think, you know, that also lends itself to, to, my, to my prior life in L.A. as a, you know, someone who wanted to eventually do, do packaging and and control projects and be a content creator so that this is this all it you know go, go comes back it's all coming full circle mm -hmm. going back to a place where you have control over over productions complete control and you are and you be, we're becoming a content creation um company so so we are going to be putting out our you know contracting our own authors and contracting our own producers and um, you know, coming up with concepts for ideas that we're bringing in writers to write for us, you know, that that's what this company is going to be all about. Um, and, uh, 
you know, it's, it's the long game. It's the true long game. You're, you're, you know, this is, this is what I was meant to do. I, I was meant originally before I even got into performance, I wanted to be a director. I wanted to be a film director. And, and so when I was at, at Boston college, my last two years, I switched my major from Italian and I wish I'd stuck with some of it so I could speak a little Italian to my, 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 my home people. But mm -hmm. I, I, I took field TV and studio TV communication and I was only a class uh, less than a minor in comm. So I wanted, I became a shooter. I, I was, I was, I was somebody who, you know, learned how to, how to, to shoot film and TV, um, film and video. And, um, and then I was directing uh, documentaries for my hometown while I was a peer minister at Boston College. So I had like four different jobs. And one of them was, you know, putting together these documentaries for my hometown. And so this is all circling back to that. It's all, you know, I, 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 I want to be the, the, the head of a, of a content creation company. And that is, that is what we are steadily. We are, but we're steadily becoming more and more as we, as we grab, you know, more rights to different types of projects. And as we, um, as we get more into that marketplace. I love how your journey shows that every moment has meaning that something that you learned in this class led to this job, which led to this production company, which led to this idea. I mean, I, I love how it things that it, <clears throat> when they happen may not have seemed like they were related. You can look back over your shoulder and say, Oh yeah, that path put me where I am now. Totally. And, and it all ties together. It's interesting, isn't it? Like uh, you, you're, and, and now I'm doing this, you know, uh, we're, we're approaching a big numbers pretty soon. And, and so I've been doing this almost 30 years, you know, mm -hmm. when you, and so, and so when you're trying to get health insurance, I mean, and it's very prescient when it comes to what we have going on with, with our people on strike, like, you know, it, it's been a struggle for me to achieve health insurance through this industry, through, 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 you know, through, through performance. Mm -hmm. And then when you find it, when you finally find it, right, you don't let it go. You don't let it go. You, 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 at a certain point in time in our lives, we choose, we, we have to make the choice to embrace what we're good at. Even if we don't really want to do it, if, even if that, that not to say that I don't, I don't want to do audiobooks. This is exactly what I want to be doing, but, but just the general idea of like, sometimes it's very important to embrace, to embrace that and, and to gain power in that and to, and to let that open other doors for you. That's very true. Do your roles, I'm sure they must inform each other. And like, I know you go, or you've been to a number of book festivals and different events, ReaderCon, I think recently, and sure. um, they're, they're not all author signing kind of events. A lot of them are public facing from what I can tell. And I assuming you're going there with the intent of meeting authors to Yes. Work with, but in either case, either you could narrate for them or you could produce and publish for them. Yes. And it's, and it's important, like at, at a place called uh, like ReaderCon, which is, you know, a national event, but it's in Boston. I'm building, um, you know, what we're doing with the company that's quite unique. And um, 
Uh, uh, it's it's interesting. Ann Richardson is doing a little bit of the same thing when it comes to comes to her company. Um, we're focusing on region, not mm-hmm. genre. So um, Boston and New England are a very unique region for storytelling. Very unique, and we all know, uh, especially if you're a Bostonian, when it's done wrong. You know immediately when it's done wrong. So um, I'm not going to harp on the you know when I've heard it wrong. All I'm going to do is try to do try to give other people the opportunity to let us do it right. That's all I can say. Just let me. And the, so the idea of of that was an event where, um, you know, they they bring in the panelists uh, from an uh, from a national base, but there's a lot of local local um, author and writer talent there, and so. That's that's where I, uh, you know, hopefully next year we'll have uh, we'll have a booth there. We'll we'll be a vendor. But they, you know, each each of these events kind of does it their own way. And some maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's not possible, but at least we'll be part of a uh, a panel to be able to let them know, because they did have an audio audio panel and I didn't have we've been too busy. I couldn't couldn't connect with them in time. You know, the audio panel just had authors on it. So, yeah, they'll, they'll, that would be informative, but how informative is that? I don't, I, you know, definitely less informative than if you or I, you, you and I were on that panel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's a fact. So let's, let's give, let's next year, let them have the chance of, of having, having us on that panel and, and give them the real news and to, and to keep them from having a failed attempt the first time. I want to remind everybody, feel free to raise your hand if you want to ask Chris a question or have any kind of part in the conversation. I think one question on people's minds is, are you developing a roster of narrators and how would they contact you and be part of that? Sure. We have a roster submission form on our website uh, on the About Us page. So the website is LeonardoAudio.com. Easy to easy enough to find. Um on the About Us page on the bottom, there are two things people can sign up for. On the left is the um, submission to become a narrator on our on our um, talent roster. The one prerequisite is 20 credits. And the reason why is I need to trust your workflow and your home studio. And so, you know, it's not really about your talent level because some people are savants and can pick this up and are great. It's more about your audio. I need to be able to trust your audio. Um, so that's why we want tr- 20 credits from people. And so they can be ACX. They don't have to be with publishers or producers as long as they have they have t- 20 credits um, um, for us. And then on the other side of the same page, they can sign up for our mailing list. And on our mailing list, we have, you know, we have um, announcements about the titles that we have coming out. We sometimes have casting announcements on there. We'll have public events or Zoom events that we um, that will, will, we, you know, any, any kind of launch, um, information is going to be going to be from there. And then it's how we communicate with our authors and, and narrators about potential castings, um, and, uh, uh, potential deals that we have going on on a regular basis. I see Rebecca Lee has her hand raised, so I'm going to send the microphone to her. Hi, hi. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hey, Chris. Um, I know that you have a new program for some public domain projects with uh, Leonardo Audio. Sure. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. 
Absolutely. So we are, we right now have a program that, um, you know, I, I am, I am now just to let everyone know, I am a SAG after signatory. Oh, great. So everything we do, everything we do has to be under a, a SAG umbrella. Um, and um, it was a pleasure to do that contract. I'm very proud as a 20 plus year member of SAG um, to have done that. So um, knowing that, what we're what we what we've set up is we're trying to get one book out about every month to six weeks um, of a length. We're trying to keep them under ten hours, so um, because we don't have a huge budgets for this. However, um, it's going to be under royalty share plus, so that we can pay for your post. So so the deal is a hundred hundred dollars um, uh, PFH that goes to you to be able to pay for your post. And then um, it's it's under an RS, RS plus deal, you can pitch us a, uh, a public domain work that you'd like to narrate and you'd like as a calling card. And if it's if it looks good for our, um, as, a, as, a, as a potential pillar book in our library, or just a classic that we'd like to have um, under our umbrella, um, we'll certainly consider it. That's pretty exciting right. news. And a follow-up question to that, because I am a, a APA mentor, and so I, I'm always uh, recommending, you know, if someone wants to do more titles, public domain is an option. But um, does it's actually need... it's actually a, a, like a better option than heading to ACX at the start of their yeah, career? Yeah, yeah, a much better yeah, option for sure. Uh, but do does if someone were to work with you on their public domain, do they need to be on your roster and have twenty audiobooks first? They need to have twenty audiobooks. Yes. Okay. It's 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 because of, um, you know, startups like our company that that don't have all the resources that we'd like to have at the start here need to be able to trust the audio. If if the audio if they don't have their workflow just right or they're bouncing files off and there's a mistake somewhere, I, we just can't afford that. So that's why in general, especially if when I'm, when I'm hiring people, um, you know, um, but, but to be honest with you, uh, depending on how specific I, uh, we need something. I mean, I just hired somebody on a, on a very big series that had never narrated an audiobook before, you know, mm-hmm. but I put her in a studio. That was not from her home studio, and it was a it was a you know a larger budgeted production title, not a publishing title. So there were a lot of different moving parts on that. So there is a possibility of me hiring somebody with less than that. But when it comes to you know if they're going to submit for a for a public domain job under our umbrella, if we're going to make it make it uh, you know an RS plus under a union heading, they have to have twenty credits. Do you do the artwork? Awesome, I'm assuming you do. Yeah, we, we do. We do cover art. Absolutely. Well, those were great questions, Rebecca. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Um, I have a question. I like to ask uh, what I call the pit stop hot seat. Sure. And so I would like to know from you... <laughs> What is your most trivial, useless, or flat-out counterproductive superpower? Oh my God! Um, 
never shutting down. I'm in what I'm, in what way? Yeah, I, I energize your bunny. I, yeah, I uh, well, it's not really energizer bunny, but my brain never shuts off. Ah, so I'm constantly just like thinking of things that I haven't done and trying to like write down lists of things that I need to do, and then I lose the list. <laughs> You know, I need, I need uh, to teach you Evernote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to do it all. I, I mean, I, 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 every time I, you know, I, I come up with something, something uh, innovative to, to help me out with that, I, I, I then forgot that I actually found it, and I forget where it is. <laughs> so, that's kind of <laughs> that's the first thing that came to mind. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you know. Ooh, worthless so worthless superpower um mm-hmm. you know uh i i think i think uh, well i've always been a jack of all trades master of none so you know like i i i, I when i was younger i went on the weakest link and won but i didn't win that much money because the person next to me basically uh chickened out and and didn't risk a lot of money after their question. They just banked a certain amount of money when I knew I was eventually going to win. Mm. And so I have a lot of worthless but worldly information in my brain. Um, the other the other thing is we've all become the other the other uh, is is all us narrators are now the best proofers in the world. Right. Where we see. So any sign that I see, I see uh, the copy errors immediately. I see the typo immediately. Yes. And so apostrophes. Yeah. And I'm I'm, um, you know, and I can't not say it. So when I'm now at a restaurant (laughs) and there are a bunch of messes in that and that and that menu, I make sure we have all our food on the table. (laughs) <laughs> and then I tell them, Hey, uh, you got three typos on this menu. Um, and my eyeball, my eyeball is going to fall out of my head. So here you go. You do, do what you will. With it. I'm glad you said I make sure I get my food first. <laughs> yes. So no, I, I had a friend, I had a friend, a former friend that would hang out with me in LA and he was a bar manager and worked at a restaurant. So he knows better. And every time we would go to restaurants together, he would wise off early. And I had to sit with him. like, And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know better. <laughs> like, I had to sit with you. Like, they, they might do, do that to, to your, thinking it's your plate and it's mine. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> Gosh, darn. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you have a lot of ideas and, and you're implementing them though. Like you've implemented, you mentioned the workouts and I know you do those every Tuesday. No, Thursday, Thursday workout. We do them Thursdays. And then we have, um, so the workout program is, uh, there are three residents coaches now that we have under our umbrella. We have Seth Podowitz, who his background was, he was a booth director, um, before he was a narrator. He was a booth director for agencies for about 10 plus years. So he not only knows audiobooks, he knows commercial copy. He knows animation. He knows video game. He, he knows promos. So people can come in on his nights and bring in other types of copy as well as mm-hmm. audiobooks. Um, Christina Delane 
is a VO coach at Tisch at, at, uh, at um, NYU. So she also has like a, like a general VO background. So you can bring commercial copy in with her as well. Um, so for a lot of people who want to cross over, you can use our workouts for that. And then there's myself. And so we, um, uh, uh, Christina Delane, um, uh, Seth Podowitz and myself, and we are mainly on Thursdays. We do one, usually one Wednesday a month. So if people are busy on Thursdays, they can come in on the Wednesday. And then Christina is trying to do some stuff on the weekends too. So, um, we're opening up some, some unique times for people. Um, but it's a great place for a few different reasons. You can bring in a potential new demo for yourself in a new genre and work on that without risk. There's no risk. And you know, you you can you can get some notes on it to be able to craft it the way way the way it wants it should it should be sounding. You can be working on a project currently and it's a very challenging scene that you need some direction on. Bring it in. Play play with it with with one of our coaches. Um you might just be bored. You don't have anything to do that week, but you want to keep the chain going and you're having some trouble just finding stuff and working on your own. Bring it in so you have some energy around you. And then we can, and, and it's three minutes of copy about, you know, 450 words. And then we do usually two passes on it, but you can use the 15 minutes, however you want, in case you want to bring in, you know, you know commercial copy or some other stuff, you can do that too. And um, it's been really successful. We've been running it for well, excuse me, two years now. And, um, and the fact that it's still going is, is, is a testament to, to, uh, um, to, to its success. Um, and, you know, obviously there, there are some other, we're having some good workouts on Clubhouse too, but I think the, the, the issue is the length of time of, of the, the actual like piece. So you're able to work, work a, a longer copy with us. And if you wanted to work more copy, just take more slots. You can just take more slots. So usually those are twenty. Those are um thirty five dollars for a fifteen minute slot, and they're twenty five dollars to audit. Anybody can audit anytime they want. And then we bring in one casting producer. Um, you know we've been a little busy, so hopefully every we want it to be once a month, but it's hard to coordinate that. Usually it's once every six to eight weeks. Where we bring in a casting producer, and then um, we basically. Um, let them have the night. So they are, um, they're, you're able to work with that casting producer. We do a Q and a, and you're able to, you know, ask them all the, the good industry questions and, and work your copy for the people who are, are potentially hiring you. Well, that's really great. Do you, other than the two other advisors or coaches in the workouts, do you have other help? I thought I yeah, saw Rob you had some interns and you were looking Rob, for we, the we have, I have a, I have an intern system with with Boston College where we have got three interns on our staff, which is great. And I'm I'm slated, believe it or not, to become um, an instructor on their in their theater department for the the twenty four twenty five academic year. So keep your fingers wow. crossed that we can keep that going. Yeah, that's that's that was a nice little coup. Um, mm. So um, Rob Vlock is a is a, a wonderful narrator, but he's also someone who's taken over our educational program. So he's um, been spearheading. Um, the scheduling of, of our workshops, oh, I'm sorry, of our workouts, and then also um, set up a narrator support group that we have on Mondays um, that's in our Discord server. So um, we, you know, it's basically just a networking event for, for narrators to chat with each other about, about things of the day. 
Um, and I believe that takes place on seven at seven thirty on Mondays in our Discord server. And um, and then we have our workshops that are coming up. So um, we have a we have a, a workshop program that's coming up in August that you know I implore people if they want to take advantage of the relative downtime of the summer to get better. Um, all the workshops that I teach are one-offs. They are not, you don't have to take them again. I leave you with a packet. So I leave you with a 10 to 20 page packet for every workshop you do with me. And, um, and uh, the more you sign up for, the more, the more you take, the, 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 the more money that you'll, you'll save. So um, there are four topics that we're tackling this August. Um, they're gonna be on Sunday evenings, Eastern, we're tackling the business of the business, um, just understanding everything about business concepts in audiobooks because it's audiobooks are such a business island compared to every other VO category. Um, and knowing that there's just some some trepidation as far as for and and then from each, I usually suggest when it comes to like like understanding the business of it, uh, take business from as many of us really working narrators as you can because you're going to get one or two tidbits from all those working narrators and how about their individual journey to where they you know where, how they've gotten there um and then the 102 is how to prep a book we go through how to prep nonfiction versus fiction um how to become the author in nonfiction and who you're talking to um, especially if you don't have that natural acting background and then in fiction, you know, how to prep a book with 50 characters. How, how does that happen? Mm -hmm. And how do you, how do you, you know, handle the expectation of all these different genres? And then we coupled our 101 suite with our 201 suite, whereas the 201 is characters for audiobooks. So we talk about, um, uh, POVs, um, first, second, and third, and all the different types of those. And then we talk about um, acting 101. If you uh, don't have that acting background or if you've had it, but you want a refresher course, um, I came up under the Uta Hagen umbrella. So her nine questions are, I think are the best guide for audiobooks because it's a fast way to create three-dimensional characters on the fly. Mm -hmm. um, and then we talk about archetypes and figure out what archetypes like you're close to. That's all, all on, the, on the 201. And we talk about your personal experiences um, and we delve into, and, and that character's class is really unique. Um, I got to teach it for Panna a couple of months ago and it was a really great, great uh, group of 10 people that we, that we had in that class. And then lastly, it's marketing. Marketing 202, getting the buyers to know you. Uh, how, what's the right way to approach um, people in the audiobook industry when you're cold, you're cold calling, you're cold contacting people. How do we make them feel like a person? And so what's that email look like? What, what should we, how should it be constructed? What should your website look like? You know, what messaging should it have on you? We, we talk about branding. We talk about, um, about when you have those opportunities, the elevator pitch, you know, how to, how to perfect that. Um, and then we talk about um, just the, uh, uh, the right kind of goal setting and how many people you should be contacting in a particular time frame, depending on how many free hours you have. And these are all things we go over. So um, after all that, 
when you couple that with the workouts for performance, um, it, we've, I think we've set up a really nice, um, a nice bay for actors uh, relatively inexpensively to get to the next level and to, and to you know, uh, answer all the questions that they have uh, from someone who's, who's, been, who's been through the mill from someone who has who has gone from doing only 22 books in his first three years to, you know, being as busy as you want to be. Well, that sounds really exciting. I, I saw that Jim Franks had your hand up, but um, Jim, do you still want to come to the mic? I can send it to you if you want to raise. Uh, great. I'll send you the microphone. And you'll just have to unmute in the lower right corner. There, there you is. go. Hi, Jim. Hi, how y'all doing? Hey, hey Jim. Good to have you here. Hey, Chris. Good to, good to hear from you. I, I just wanted to answer a, a question in the chat, if I may, for Andrea L. If I, hopefully I said that right. You asked about public domain books. If you're looking for titles, you know, the narrator's uh, roadmap has excellent resource regarding uh, public domain works. Oh, thanks. I didn't even pay you for that shout out. So checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've taken uh, Chris's uh, Narrators 101 class, and it's an excellent class. I, whether you're experienced or not, maybe you've forgotten things. And the resource package that he hands out is phenomenal. Jim, thank you. And I appreciate you. Really had to say, but I, I do want to say one thing since Stephanie Nemeth Park is no longer here, but I'm in Tehachapi, California, and the current temperature is 94 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> so that's just out of there. Y'all have a stay, great day. Thank you, Karen. Stay cool, Thanks, Jim. Hey, Karen. And, and, and Karen, I'll, I'll mention this. If, if uh, people, when they sign up, Okay, so for these, these classes that I'm doing in, in August, uh, they can sign up for one, two, three, or all four. Um, but when they do, even if they just sign up for one, okay, I will, if, if they mention the pit stop in their email, in their confirmation email, I'll give them a free workout. Wow. They can have a free workout when I'm, I have to run the night because I have to pay our other, our other, uh, uh, you know, our other coaches. But I, you know, on my night, they can come in and, and they'll get it. They'll get a, a free workout from me. Well, what a kind and generous, wonderful offer. Mm -hmm. So people listening live and then people will be listening on the replays. Hopefully we'll be taking you up on that. I hope they do. That's the point. <laughs> Because I don't know. The thing is, uh, Karen, I will say, like, you know, for this is the reason I don't know. We're about to go into a funding round. So uh, I'm the CEO. I want to. I love coaching. I want to coach people every day. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a director. I've been I'm, I'm, over the last three weeks. I'm, I'm directing three different projects. However, I'm the CEO. So eventually here I might have to pull off and, you know, uh, and hand the stuff that I'm doing off to other people. So I want people to know that if they want to take advantage of me, please take advantage of me now while I'm, while I'm able to, while I'm able to. You mean in terms um, of your workshop offer, not just in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In terms of the workshop offer, you know, I, I you know, take we do that and we do our now. privates. Yeah. And I, 
I'm doing private sessions and, and you know, it, it, we've got a lot going on, but we're also building an office in the Boston area. Um, so uh, a lot of moving parts, which is good. Well, I see Andrea has her hand raised. I'm sending Andrea all the mic. Hello. Hello. Oh, there she is. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Hi Karen. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hey, Chris, I have a question for you. Sure. So now you're talking about any of the four, like I'm, I've got your page up. You're, you're talking about any of the four classes, the 101, the 102, the 20, <laughs> any of the four classes you're offering in August. If we take one of those, we would have the privilege of a private with you. Is that not a private? No, you'll get, you'll have a, you'll have a a session of the, the workout, the workouts that you've been doing and you, you'll get one for me. Like, so you'll, yeah, you'll get, get the $35 um, slot that you're used to. Oh, okay. Well, that's still awesome, but that would be as a separate entity. You would do that on a separate night, et cetera. When, yeah, it'll be whenever I, you know, you know, whenever you're doing the work once a month. And so you'll be able to come in and grab the slot and just give me and send me a note. Hey, you know, uh, this is my, this is my freebie. And then, and then you're good. Now, just as a, someone who's relatively new, would you recommend one of these over the others or, or is there an order? that we should go in. I suppose it's 101, 102, but give me your take. I recommend for, you know, if people have say like under 50 credits, okay, okay. you're still going to learn a lot from the 101. Okay. And you're still going to learn a lot from the 102 because I also suggest you want to learn prepping from maybe two or three different coaches okay. because our prepping concepts and our prepping methods are so different compared to each individual person and where they came from. So I tend to, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to give as much of a complete, uh, uh, of all the options so that you can, uh, prep minimally if you so choose. So you use like one or two aspects of it, or you may want to over prep and do everything. Or I think, I think I remember Tanya Eby, the way she does it. She like marks up a script and then has a completely clean script on the day when she's Mm -hmm. actually narrating. Mm -hmm. So like it's whatever you, when you get further into our career, whatever you want to use. But there is the the characters class uh, does have a, a limit. That that's the only class that there's a limit to it. So so because it's interactive, we're, we we can only have twelve people in that class. So that that's the one. With, but but you would get something from all of these classes yeah. because okay. I know you, Andrea. You've been working on this for a little bit, and you've been in these classes. You're putting your you're you're putting your effort and and your your um, you know, your money into 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 getting you better, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. So you know, for people like that, the marketing would be appropriate for you if someone is brand new. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of them may not be ready for the marketing, but like, for instance, I think Dom is in, is in, was in the, um, the audience, like, even though she's brand new, she's like been at this for say like six to nine months. So mm-hmm. she wants to hear the marketing, um, uh, pitch because, you know, she's going to want to know how to roll that out to the, to the particular potential buyers, to those particular producers and publishers, you know, so there's value in all the classes for everyone. It's just a matter of if you, you know, if, if you, you, if you want to be there for all of them, you know, 
May I ask one more thing? Because I'm looking at the audio narration, um, audiobook narration characters. Um, that sounds awesome, but it's 90 minutes. How much, I mean, can we really get something done? No, no, it's not 90 minutes. It's, it's oh. two and a half hours. Oh, how come I'm, oh, because I don't know how to tell time. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, no, they're all, yeah, so they're all the same. They're all okay. the same. And, and Andrea, I'll tell you, like all my classes, in, and like Jim would tell you, all of my classes that I've ever taught, yeah, they've never ended on time. I'm so glad I asked, Chris, because I literally was saying, how can he tell me I'm going to learn all this in 90 minutes? So I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, you're, you're, you know, I, I, um, I try not to be verbose, but there's just a lot of things to learn. Like, I'm, right. this is going to okay. be, so everything I teach is going to be in two semesters, uh, at college. It's like, we have that much stuff to learn. Got it. And so we're trying to condense it so that you have a packet that you can then roll out and through steps uh, as you, as you move along your journey, you check in every once in a while and change your goal setting. You know, so, so when it comes to marketing, we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about appropriate goal setting and how to, how to pivot once you've, once you've achieved some things mm -hmm. and how to, and, and things, what to avoid when it comes to wanting new clients to come under your umbrella, but not having the space. How do you do that appropriately? That's, and that's, there's some nuance to that. Thank you very much. I got it. Well, thanks. Those were great questions. Mm. Chris, I want to be respectful of your time and we're, we've already rolled past the top of the hour. I Thank am, you. I have nothing, I have nothing but, <laughs> but, uh, but my studio and, and a workout to, to waiting for me, even though I've, you know, it's, uh, uh I, I've got some 70 pound dumbbells waiting for me on a, on another floor. I am, I am not in a rush. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, uh, I have one more question of, do you have advice that you could share of for other people who want to expand their horizon beyond narration? So, I mean, you're doing production, you're doing publishing, you're now doing teaching at college in addition to your other teaching. Do you have advice to how somebody can expand beyond narration? Well, it's building skill sets, you know, like, so whatever, whatever you have to do, whatever you choose to do, can you hear me okay? My thing is saying poor connection. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, okay, so so whatever you choose to do, remember, we have to have a skill set behind it. And then once you build the skill set, you've got to have a, a presentation that allows people to, to tell, that allows you to tell other people that, okay, I am this thing now. So knowing that for, for every new thing that we're doing, there's, there's no impossibilities. Everything is possible. But it is it is remembering that each individual category that we are trying to become to add to our repertoire has a skill set that you need to educate yourself on and has, you know, like, for instance, if someone, you know, if someone has been doing commercial VO and audiobook narration and they want to get into video games, video games are a completely different thing as far as for what they're looking for from the talent, as far as for your vocal skill set when it comes to the instrument that you have and the choices that you're going to make for the characters that you're going to play. And then about the worlds in video games. 
you have to learn about the world. And you might determine that I belong in some of those worlds, but not in others. And then how do the sessions break down when I book a job? It's sort of like when, when actors book, book a television show for the first time. It's very hard to learn how to shoot a TV show if you've never shot a TV show. Hmm. When you get on a television set and you know, and, and, and those television sets are different, multi-cam versus single cam, outdoor shooting versus indoor shooting, a soap opera versus everything else. These are all different types of things where as we're actors, we pick up these little things from other people, but you're not going to learn until you're on set. So that's when it comes to that video game thing, you could go into a session with somebody like Randy Ryan and he'll teach you how to like how, how uh, an NPC session operates and then how a cinematic scene operates and how those are different in the video game world. So that's just an example of like some of the education that we have to get, but just to know, okay, I'm just not going to wing it. You can't wing it and expect to have great results. You've got to educate yourself the right way. And then within all this, you have budgets. You've got to, you've got to cap your amount you're spending say per month, per quarter to make sure that, okay, I'm not overspending because I want to have, I want to get my, and we talk in the marketing class a lot about ROI. And, mm -hmm. and in the, in the 101, we talk about ROI when it comes to building your home studio. If it's a DIY or a booth, return on investment. That's a very important thing for people to understand in audiobooks. Return on investment. Well, that sounds like a very reasonable, logical way to approach building a career that you love and, and a life you love, to be able to do the things that you want to do. Indeed. So do you, and, you know, there will be challenges, but we've just got to, you know, not get down on ourselves when things are a little challenging and just give ourselves a chance to, you know, learn that new skill set. Back to the ROI, because that's just too glittering of a ball to, to leave hanging. Um, is there a kind of a percentage in your mind, Chris, about what is reasonable to be, putting out um, versus what we're bringing in? I think, I think it's, I think percentages are hard. It's not like, you know, like when you're an on-camera actor and you're dealing with callback ratios and you're dealing with booking ratios, it's a little different, but mm -hmm. I do think that in, 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 you know, it's not the percentage, but it's just the, look at the numbers. If you're, you know, I think once we, get into a pattern where you are receiving because, and I'm not going to talk about ACX in this because ACX is like the wild west. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll let everyone know if you, if you allow me the, the pleasure and the honor of being your coach. Okay. And that doesn't mean you can't coach with other, other people, but if you allow yourself to be under my umbrella, I'm going to teach you how to use ACX properly because there are, there are stuff out there that is branded with that, with those three letters in the title of learning an audiobook program. And there's like, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, it may have the word master in it as well. You know, um, we need to use ACX as a tool, not as the bay 
for where you are starting your career. It's a place to gain experience and information and how to communicate with rights holders. It's Mm -hmm. a place to learn that stuff in a relatively risk-less environment. However, for you to be dependent on, if this was 2013, it's a different story because ACX started in 2011 and lots of newer authors and newer narrators were getting on there and communicating with each other and doing some wonderful projects back then that were, that were, you know, so the numbers of quality projects on there were much higher. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, the number of narrators is very high and the number of quality projects is very low. Yeah. So the chances of you getting, uh, you, you not only auditioning um, in time for an appropriate project that's right for you, but having them listen to it and having them listen to it relatively early in their stack of 80 to 100 to 120 submissions that they're getting, 150 submissions that they're getting, are like, these numbers don't work. They're not, they don't make any sense. So you want to set yourself up to succeed. So use ACX as a tool and you'll eventually know when you bring stuff to ACX because you'll see, you'll use it, you'll use it for, for with a value that it can bring your career. Um, to get back to the ratio, when people are auditioning for publishers and producers, I think it's normal to expect a anywhere between a 20 to a, to a 33% um, return of booking. Mm-hmm. So anywhere between one to three and one to five. Okay. If you are under one to five, auditioning for producers and publishers, then you probably need coaching. Because uh, the the casting personnel in audiobooks, um, or at least or at least I'll say this, at least you need you need more repetitions working with copy and working in environments where you're 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 actively you know working copy more and working on your workflow more. And and doing some uh, some you know uh, sub subtextual um, uh, uh, narration and understanding character building all that kind of stuff you got to work on that a little bit more because the casting personnel in our industry you know it's not it's usually not ten to fifteen people that they're putting on um, mm-hmm. for for these auditions you're probably getting between three and five for most people now there are a few like if you're going on Ahab Talent that's a different story. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a crowdsourcing, you know, site. So mm-hmm. you're going, you, you know, you're going to go against the minimum of 30 people there. When you are auditioning, if someone sends you an email from Harper or Blackstone, you're, it's probably going to be between three and five people that you're, mm-hmm. that you're up against. And so normally if those people are all good, you know, you're there. And most of the time nowadays, there's a, the hook of bringing the author in on this uh in this process yeah the 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 challenging thing about that is most of the authors that are coming in on the process know nothing about audio they don't know anything about audio i wish they did maybe 25 percent <laughs> of them are listeners the, the other 75 percent are not so what does that mean they're listening and if the voice sounds good sounds good in quotes 
they're going to like it more than the voice that doesn't sound good uh-huh. in general. And I'm, these are all macro terms. We're going to have outliers on this, but these are things that I think about a lot. And so you need to know all this stuff and know that this is part of the game. Uh-huh. And there's only so much that you can control. You can't control all those other things. All you can control, all you can control is how much of that audition that you can, you can learn about from an Amazon link, from whatever that producer is willing to give you for insider information on the plot. Um, mm-hmm. They may be able to give you the whole manuscript. You might want to skim through it if you have the time, but it's that, you know, a time is money in our industry. So you might not have the time to do that. And that's a sliding scale of how new are you to this and how busy are you to this? That's it, that'll determine whether or not you're going to skim through that full, that full book or not. So, um, these are all aspects of things. Once you've done this for, you know, for a long time, or you're learning from somebody who's coaching you, who's done it for a long time, these are things you start to think about. Mm-hmm. And they all may affect your booking ratio. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is just the best job you can do and control and control that. But, but I hear a lot from people like it's the one thing that you can't do, unfortunately, in audiobooks is forget about it. Like, so there's a lot of people that say, oh, I just do the audition and then I forget about it. Well, what if they're just delayed on getting back to you and you've booked up your whole your whole schedule for the next two months and then they're like, oh, Chris, you booked it. We just were a little late, but, you know, we were late getting the manuscript and it fell through the cracks and, but but it's we booked it, it's yours. You're still available? And you're like, uh. Mm-hmm. So that's why I suggest for people, once a two week mark goes by, mm-hmm. they can, they can hit up that person again. It's another reason to send an email out to just say hello, Mm -hmm. but they can send an email out to go, Hey, is this project still viable? If it isn't no big deal, no rush. Just want to know if it's still, if if I'm still a part of this. And most of the time you did not book it and they just did not have time to tell you. Right. But you want to clear it off the board. Mm -hmm. You want to know it's off the board so that you can fill that slot with something else. Yeah. And, and don't end up with surprises. Yeah. 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 Because we live, we live in a world, right? When I book a video game, it's a day, it's a day rate. Now I'll know it's a, you know, it's two to four hours. And if they say, Chris, you know, we're going to put you, um, say Bethesda calls me and you know, they have a new game coming out. I can't talk about it, but they say, you know, Chris, we want to put you on for three days. You know, I know I'm going to be working for 12 hours for them. Right. Then I know the rest of the time that I have in audiobooks. Um, we have a finite amount of time that we have, you know, to work. And so say you book four jobs and one of them's 20 hours, your month's gone. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is the unique world where you kind of have to know when things are off the board. You have mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. Clear the deck. Yep. That was a great answer. Thank you. And I think Serena has a question, Karen. Yes. Are, are you sending her the mic? Um, I will. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that was a good answer, Chris. We enjoyed it. Thank so you. Really, that you have the mic coming your way. It says I sent it to her, but it apparently is. Okay, there it is. Hi, I just got it. You know what? I don't know how that happened. I didn't uh, push that little button except accidentally unbeknownst to myself. 
<laughs> well, it's lovely to hear your voice anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's really good to be back. I was in Italy almost a month, so Ooh, wow, back in the swing. Yeah, one of my brothers lives there, so I'm really, really lucky. Oh, how convenient. Yes, <laughs> it it's nice. But yeah, no questions. I'm learning a lot, as always, so thank you for that. Well, Good stuff. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, Chris, did you have any any parting words or anything you want to plug, or how would people get in touch with you? Well, they can. They can uh, again. Let's let's. Uh, you know, they they can join our email list on our website at the About Us page at LeonardoAudio.com. Um, we have plenty of stuff that we're using to uh, have some industry reach with our um our our upcoming titles. So please subscribe to our YouTube page at Leonardo Audio. Um, that's going to be our home base for a lot of the videos that we do with authors, narrators, um, and our and our uh, our video sizzles that we put out uh, marketing our our audiobooks. We also have we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, they can join uh, at Leonardo Audio on the About Us page. They can join the, the email list, like I just said, um, and um, you know if if uh, if they want to support us please uh there's a book that is up for an audi um they're called uh revolution the soul saga book one and it's got some terrible narrators in it, it has a guy named dion graham uh <laughs> has a young lady named emily woo zeller uh another horrible narrator named tim jared reynolds and a uh, atrocious narrator named lauren Fortgang. and then it has the worst narrator in the world me um and uh, I would say if you've got a spare credit, um, pick that book up, that audiobook, you'll love it. It's uh, if you like sci-fi at all, it's space opera and it's, it's a really they've done a wonderful job with it. So uh, it's called Revolution, the Soul Saga by James Fox. And just please, um, I implore you, uh, if uh, uh, at least get into one of our classes that we're doing on um, in August. Either the 101, 102, 201, or 202, I guarantee you, you will not regret it. And and remember, you get a free you get a free workout. Yeah, an offer we can't refuse. <laughs> if they mention pit stop. If yeah. they mention pit stop, yep, absolutely. The magic two words. Mm -hmm. But it it is time for everybody to get back on the road. So I'm going to conclude today's pit stop. The recording will be on Clubhouse later today, and I'll post it with a transcript next week on Narrator's Roadmap. And who is coming up tomorrow on Narrator Uplift? Tomorrow we've got Kimberly Wilson, who is a fabulous lady. She's a psychotherapist, a pet grief counselor, because that came up, you know, yeah, earlier. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. What doesn't she do? Um, she is a midlife inspirationalist kind of lady oh she has been a podcaster since podcasts were even before they were a thing just you know there's so many things about her but anyway so she's coming along tomorrow to uplift us for sure and um that's bound to be a very interesting conversation she's just celebrated her 50th birthday she won a prize um dancing some part of lace he'll feed and after a following a hip replacement, all of these oh. things that, you know, I mean, really she is just the most fascinating lady. So I'm very excited about that. 
I love the name of her site, Tranquility Du Jour. Yes. I mean, we yes. all need a little tranquility. And that's at a special time, right? It's coming up at one thirty instead of the usual 2 o'clock. That's right. That's right, to accommodate her schedule. Very lucky to have got her. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to that with you. And I hope all of you will take another road trip with us on August 2nd when we'll talk with audiobook narrator, production company owner, and now author, Amy Rubinate. In the meantime, I hope you find joy in every journey and live the life of your dreams. Thanks again so much to Chris Chula for this wonderful conversation. We've had a lot of comments in the chat about your workouts and the classes and people are enjoying all you've had to offer. And it's just been a delight talking with you today. Karen, thank you. Thank you so much. We just appreciate your time so much. It's been a great conversation. And thanks so much to Ann Flosnick for your support. And that wonderful question you asked at the end is what we were all needing to hear about the, the ROI. So thanks for that. And thanks for all of you for spending time with us today. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you soon. Thank you.